We're continuing today the series that we've started a few weeks ago uh, called uh, What's Best Today? And we've been looking at kicking off the new year with the right perspective of our time and how to kind of in any given day choose what is the most productive, choose what is the most beneficial. And if you're like me, actually being productive and trying to figure that out is something that that's complex and it takes time. And so we've been trying to figure out how do you actually, in light of reality, and reality is, is how God has designed the world, not really necessarily how we think it goes, but actually how he created it to go. So in light of how God has wired things in, how do you make choices that really are going to be beneficial uh, for you, uh, for those around you, and be the right choices that actually help you make progress in life? And so our hope is this has been a series that's both perspective and practical. Um, what I mean is a lot of times you need to see things in a certain way uh, for you to be able to know which direction to go in. Because what you see does determine uh, where you go, right? Whenever you walk, you actually have to see where you're headed or you're going to bump into things. And so we've been trying to approach this, but what is God's perspective on um, productivity actually look like? And then what are the practical tools we can take and apply to live in, in line with that. And so if you've missed any of the series, I just want to catch you up. And so you're, you're kind of uh, up to, to speed with what we've been talking about. If you do miss a message here at Church in the Valley, uh, you can listen always online uh, each week at churchinthevalley.com. I just wanted to let you know of that. Uh, so the, the first uh, week of the series, we talked about uh, what the good life actually is and how do you stack up good days. And a good life obviously comes as you have a good day. And then as you have a good day, you have another one and then you have another one. And so how do you actually stack up good days? And we kind of broad stroke looked at a good life in the scriptures, according to God, is to turn away from evil and to do good. And doing good uh, seems actually very general. Uh, but when you dig into the scriptures, you find that doing good is actually laid out for us. And that's why you have to read the Bible. You have to find out what doing good actually entails. And we've kind of been talking about that uh, from week to week. So week two, we talked a little bit more about what uh, doing good looks like and how uh, to honor God in, in each aspect. And we looked at uh, three things. Uh, we do good by uh, telling others about God and the difference that he makes in life. So sharing our faith. Uh, if you're a Christian, that's something that you actually are, are commanded to do with your days. You're supposed to take the time to share uh, the difference that, that God has made in your life and, and share the difference that he can make in someone else's life. Uh, there's also a big part of life that is to love God and to love others. Uh, that means to put God and his interests and his goals above our own interests and goals and put others' goals and interests above ours as well. That's actually practical love that determines what we do with our day. That actually spelled out in time. Because each day we're choosing to spend our time in certain ways. Uh, the third week of the series, we actually looked at that a little bit more practically. What does it mean to love other people? And you can't be productive and you can't just kind of get all your tasks done and get all your goals reached. If you haven't included loving others in your life, it actually can't be fully productive. Because loving others is key to a productive life. That's how God has designed it to work. And then last week, we talked about the, the freedom that you can experience from realizing that you don't have to live life trying to perform for others. Uh, that could be God. 
Uh, we may live life kind of in the shadow of this God that we have in our mind, and we, we just want to do enough good to please him and erase enough bad, and there's like a scale that we have. Or we can live in the shadow of our family, whether that's our parents or our spouse or our kids or whoever it is that's close to us. We can have this idea like I need to, to live up to their expectations of me. I need to make sure that I live to their expectations. And that can actually be something that's such a heavy burden that, that we can't bear. So we talked about the grace of God, the fact that he wired salvation, which is how we, we discover God, how we are saved. Um, he wired it actually so it's not performance-based. There's actually nothing that we can do to be made right with God. We need the grace of Jesus Christ to be right with God. And so that actually frees us up to do good. Because when you do good, realizing that you don't have the pressure to perform, it actually is pure. It actually is, is right. And so I, I hope that that catches you up. And today we're going to shift gears into, okay, that makes sense, but my life is stressful. What do I do? Would you say in the past week that, that your life has been somewhat stressful? By show of hands, anyone kind of experienced a stressful life this past week, right? We all experience it. So anytime we talk about being productive and, and making the most of our day, you actually can't deal with that without dealing with the reality of stress. We are we're stressed out people a lot. I'm a stressed out person a lot. I can become easily agitated. I can become frustrated. If I'm tired, it's like game over. Watch out. Uh, all these things really impact how I wake up how I want my day to go, how I interact with people. And so to be productive means you actually have to deal with this, this idea of, of stress and, and chaos. And so today we're going to talk about how do you find peace in the midst of that. And the scriptures actually have a lot to say, and so we're, we're, going, to, we're going to dig into that. But here's what I've kind of discovered about my own life. Uh, when I'm in the midst of stress, um, I usually want to find an escape from that. As soon as possible. I'm not the type of person that as things are stressed, I'm like this. Man, this is a good day. I just I hope I can just feel this feeling of pressure and stress for longer. I don't usually feel that. I usually feel like I want to get out of stress. And I tend to have like a kind of the happy place in my life, like a picture of, of what life would be like without stress. And what I found is. Those are called screensavers. So, like, this is one of my favorite pictures of, like, what I wish life was like a lot. Like, really? Like, you know, you're at work, and the project's due, and there's conflict, and, like, you forgot your lunch. And you're thinking, like, there's no way I'm going to get everything done before I have to leave today, so I'm going to have to stay later. And then I might have to work over the weekend because this thing's due on Monday. And, and then you just remember, wait a second. I've got a screensaver at the beach. It's going to dissipate if I stare at that long enough. And I've actually, I've had screensavers like this where I'm like, man, there's my, like, my lawn chair is just right out of that shot on the sand. It's just right there. I'm sitting on it. No, I'm not. It's not real. Or it could look like this. If you're not a beach person, it's like I don't like, you know, sand makes me dirty. So I, I want the, the mountainous river. These are actually screensavers. Why? Because we don't want the picture of this. Anyone have this for their screensaver? <laughs> right? Like, man, I'm, I'm stressed. 
My kids are sick. I'm overloaded. I got to go grocery shopping. I can't think of like what's best. I, I just I just need to get to the store so we have food to eat today. And then you go to the store and this is actually Monterey Park. <laughs> Friday night. It's actually not. Don't like Google like that picture. You Google traffic jam. That's the first one. So but but that's kind of how life. But we don't we don't want that. That is what it feels like. We want the escape. Uh, or if you have kids, it could look like this. Like it's a party for two, but not for one. And the one it's not a party for is actually the mom who's supposed to leave. You know, that's that's how it's like. She's she's like, where's the beach? That's what she's thinking right there. Where's the beach or where, where's the mountain escape? Did you know you can't actually like snap your fingers and escape your life? You can't. And as much as you hope for things, um, you actually have to deal with the realities in which we're in. And that's why we need help. Because since it's not easy and you can't escape it, we actually need the right tools to deal with it. And that's where a relationship with God makes all the difference. And so... Why does life tend to feel like this or, or like the traffic jam? Well, the real reason is we live in a broken world. And so if you experience chaos and you experience stress, you actually are just like all of us in the human race. Now, that can sound very hopeless, but the world is broken because of sin. It's messed everything up. And so... Our to-do lists seem like we can never get through them. Uh, motivation is sometimes hard to come by. Stress is overwhelming. Like sometimes it just feels like survival. Like I just, I just want to survive this week. Or sometimes if it's a really bad day, I just want to survive this day. And so because of that, we, we all just get into these, these ruts and these default modes of how we deal with what's on our plate. And there's a couple default modes that I want to address because if we don't address with like how we react to things, it's really hard to know how to move forward. And so there tends to be two main reactions when life is stressful. And this impacts what we do with our time. This impacts our productivity. And this is, you know, you you could fall to two extremes. You could be right in the middle. But the first default mode is when life is stressful and it feels like the traffic jam or it feels like this where you just you don't know how to handle life. You, you want to ratchet down. Like things feel like they're out of control, and so you want to tighten your grip on things. Oftentimes we do that to people. You're stressing me out. Things are out of control, so I want to control you. Because we think if things are out of control and I just want to just tighten things, then it will get better. So we tend to control people. If they get in line with what we want done, it's going to go better. If they do what we need them to do, it's going to go better. And so oftentimes when we deal with productivity, when the stress comes on, we want to try harder. We want to work better, and we want people to comply. You ever felt like that? Where you, you, you tend to help in your mind, if this person would just help me, it would go so much better. If this person would do this and not do that, it would go so much better. And you, you say things like, what were you thinking? 
I've been a dad for, for nine years, and I realized that that's like one of my default modes I have with my kids. They do something, and I think to myself, there's no way that that would make sense to you. And so I find myself like, well, I've said this before. You ever say this to a kid? They don't know how to answer. Like, what were you thinking? Well, Dad, I, I wanted to actually make your life miserable. <laughs> You're welcome. No, they, they don't know. But it made sense to them. They didn't do it on accident. Our coworkers, people that we hang out with, our friends, our bosses, we all live purposeful lives. We, we do things on purpose. We don't do them on accident. But you find, like, we want to just control people, control circumstances. The other extreme is what I call the, is that a word? That's more like of a sound with a gesture. But what is that? That's the, I give up. I can't take it anymore. It's of no use. So you realize, like, it's no point trying to control it people or my circumstances because it's uncontrollable and since it's uncontrollable what's the point you just want to you just want to walk away you just want to give in those are usually the two extremes that we have when we face the traffic jams of life the stressful situations we want to control or we want to just get out of it actually this has been observed in psychology fight or flight it's the same thing but it's actually Found in the scriptures too, there's a sense in which we try to rely on our own sense of things. And that's the way we do it. We want to control or we want to give up. The, the issue is, though, it doesn't actually work. And so I want to share a story. This is like one of my favorite stories because it's found in the, in the New Testament of the Bible as Jesus is interacting with his disciples who are his followers. So he had this group of 12 men that he was building into and trying to explain, this is what it means to follow me. This is what it means to live life in view of God's priorities for you. And as Jesus was leading these disciples, he was so busy in serving people and loving people and teaching people. And it was this active learning that the disciples were in. And you can imagine that they were tired a lot, confused a lot, because they've never experienced Jesus before. No one had. But here was this God, fully man, fully God on earth. And he was interacting in ways that no one had ever seen. And so they were just following him around. And oftentimes we forget this, the human angle of how exhausted and taxing that might be. Sometimes when you read the scriptures and you see how people interact with Jesus, you're like, what are you thinking? Like, you question the son of God. But have you ever been really, really tired? And you're really, really frustrated. And you haven't eaten. And people just do things that irritate you. Do you oftentimes think in a rational way? I know I don't. The more tired I get, the more it's like, uh-oh. Papa Bear. He's growling. I, no one's ever called me Papa Bear in my whole life. So delete that from the recording but right it's just but when you when you see it you get you know i, I can kind of understand what they were going through 
And there's this scene in the scriptures where in Mark chapter four, where after this intense ministry and this intense teaching and serving and helping people, Jesus wanted to give them a break. So he was actually looking to their interests. And I want to share this story because it actually doesn't go how we think. Like they probably were finding their happy place. Like, okay, we can escape. We can just relax. We can rest. Their lives have been chaotic. And, and this is what happened. I, I want to read this to you. It's in Mark chapter 4. You can see it up on, on the screen as well. It says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. Just as he was and other boats were with him. So this had been intense. And he just says, like, let's let's get away in the boat. And this idea of let us go across the other side. Let's be removed from all these people. Let's have a break. That's what he's saying. Then it goes on. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. So the happy place. Was no longer there. There's this huge storm and water is getting all into the boat. But he was in the stern. Now, the he right there is referring to Jesus. He is tired, too. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. So let's get away. Let's take a break. Huge windstorm, craziness, water. Jesus asleep. On the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Like, Jesus, we're dying. Wake up, please. Wake up. And then it goes on. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. I love that that picture because you get this insane just windstorm and craziness to the point where they think we're going to die at any moment. And it doesn't just say it was calm. There was a great calm. Like there, like there was no waves in the water. It went from absolute chaos to absolute peace just like that. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Now, like you read that. And if I'm a disciple... I'm thinking, really? You're asking me that? I'm so afraid because I thought I was going to die. That's what they were thinking. And then he says, have you still no faith? Did I tell you that we thought we were going to die? Like, this is a faith issue? I thought we were going to die. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea Obey him. This is such a crucial, crucial passage because it represents a lot. First, we tend to think we're facing things in our life. The pressures, the storms, the chaos, the same way the disciples did that, that Jesus is asleep. Like he's not here. He's not present. And we're overwhelmed. It's so easy to live life and delete the fact that God is real and here with us. It is. And so they are, are freaking out like people 
who have no sense that they are going to be okay. And Jesus pointed to faith. Faith is knowing that God is going to take care of you even in the midst of the water beginning to make you feel like you're drowning. And then when they turned to him and asked him for help, he took care of the situation. And this intense feeling of fear was gone, but it was replaced by this fear of, did he just, did he just do that? Did he just rebuke the wind and the sea and it obeyed him? That's interesting as well. Oftentimes when we face the things that are overwhelming to us, that are on our plate that we don't know how to handle, we want more power. And that's why we try harder. We need more help. That's why we talk to others. And we power up. But what this is describing is there is actually this relationship with God that you can have through Jesus Christ that represents even nature can obey. And this this is the point just to show that it's not always going to happen necessarily like you're facing something and Jesus help me and it's just calm straight away. Sometimes it could be a long period of time. But the point is, there is power in God that we do not have by ourselves. And in the chaos of life, we have to, to decide who we turn to. And it's not having a picture of a happy place. It's not having this tactic of controlling others or trying to escape. We have to decide to turn to God. In fact, the pressures of life and the feelings of being unproductive and the feelings like life is slipping away and it's just going through our fingers like sand and time is escaping us and all these feelings that we have, we actually have a choice of what to do. And that's either we just become more self-reliant, more dependent on others, or we actually turn to God who can help. We can turn to the God who at the sound of his voice, can calm storms, can bring peace. I want to shift to to another passage in the New Testament. And this was written uh, to a church, um, like we're a church, and people are trying to figure out, how do do I have the right perspective in life? Um, I don't know about you, I actually need the scriptures and the truth and God's help, not because life is so easy, but because it is actually quite difficult and it is stressful and it is chaotic. And so the scriptures have this way of putting hope into us when we don't feel hope. And I want to walk through these characteristics of people, the kind of people that as they face the hard things in life, they they choose to trust God. And I want to take you on this journey because oftentimes we think in terms of trusting God as a statement that we're told. And it can become something that's actually really not helpful. You just need to trust God more. You think to yourself, I don't know what that means. I I don't know what that that looks like. That's not helping me. Or just you need to accept God's peace. I don't see it. I don't feel it. It's not here. And so I actually want to kind of move beyond generalities and look at what the scriptures say we can do in the midst of the the chaotic times. 
And I hope this will be a help to you. So the key in scriptures is not avoiding the chaos of life, but learning how to turn to God in the midst of it. When you turn to God and accept Jesus Christ as the boss of your life and decide to do life his way, you become a Christian. But when you become a Christian, your life does not necessarily get any easier. In fact, more often than not, your life is more difficult. Now, that's not like the greatest recruiting to Christianity. But it's true. Because oftentimes, when you decide to do life God's way, you're going against the current of everything in you that wants to do it your own way. And you're going against the current of culture, which wants to do things their own way. You're going in the, against the current of just our world, which is doing things its own way as well. So when you decide to follow Christ, you're going against the current. And that sounds like an interesting picture, but that just means you're having to do a lot more and sometimes you don't see that much progress. And sometimes there's pain. and There's disillusionment. But... It's in the midst of that that God becomes real. It's in the midst of the chaos that you find God is there. And it's in the hard things, those pressure-filled situations where you can experience the presence of God. And so I want to walk through that. Uh, This scripture is found found in Philippians 4, and it's packed with a lot of of statements. And I just want to read it, and then I'm going to go through each part. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if I were to get a highlighter and just highlight certain pieces of this. When I first read this scripture, the thing that, that stands out to me is the peace of God. That's what I want. I want peace. But when you look at a paragraph worth of scripture, the peace of God is four words. And there's so much else that's going on that says needs to happen for you to experience this peace. But oftentimes when I see what God wants to do, I just, well, I want the peace, God. Just give me your peace. But when you read it in context, you see that there's so much going on that how we should think and what we should do. And that's what I want to talk about, because this is what helps us in the midst of the chaos. Now, it starts with something that is actually very cliche to think about. And that is the first part. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It's written twice. There's this, this idea of rejoice in the Lord always. You're, you're like, really? Like always? How, how is that possible? And it's like Paul, who wrote this, saying, you know, I know you guys are going to think this doesn't even make sense. So I'm going to say it again. Again, I will say Rejoice. I want to share a brief story with you. This past week, I was at a conference in Texas, and I was coming home on Thursday night. I had an 8.30 flight to get home. Uh, we, my wife and I hadn't been with the kids since Monday, 
and somebody was watching our kids actually within this church and so many people served us to kind of watch our kids and allow us to go to this conference that was really going to help us. And on Thursday night, our flight is delayed and it's delayed from Colorado and it's further delayed. And you get on the, we get on the plane and you're sitting and there's like nothing worse than sitting on a plane on a tarmac, not moving. A plane is great for flying. A plane, a plane, a, how do you say? It? A plane is awful for just recreating. Those seats are really uncomfortable, and the air is slightly stale. And the longer you're on it, the slight goes to really, and you begin to suffocate. It's fresh on my mind. I might start twitching, but. Anyways, long story short, it was delayed, and it's like two hours, and it was like three hours. It was delayed so long that the pilot and his crew no longer could fly the plane because their contract states that they can't be on a plane that long. I've never experienced this. You're on a plane, and the pilot's like, hey, guys, you know, we're really glad that you've been with us, and I apologize, but we're going to have to leave you because we actually can't fly this plane anymore. They're going to try to find someone to fly it. Do you have a good night, and thank you for flying Blank be blank. So then we're like, okay, there's no one to fly the plane. The reason I'm sharing this is not to take up all this time. But as I was working on this sermon, this was happening. And as I was working on this verse, the pilot announcement came on. It just made me chuckle. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And I was literally like sitting in a plane right now. It says that right there. Sitting in a plane right now. Sleep deprived, babysitters with kids. It's not going to get home until past 4 a.m., six-hour flight delay. Rejoice in the Lord always. What does that look like when you face those situations? Because I was thinking, I'm not going to be functioning tomorrow. I haven't pulled an all-nighter since college, and frankly, it never went well. (laughs) I'm not productive. I need sleep. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You know what I thought? Well... I had time to work on this message. I was just trying to find, like, what can I rejoice in? I had time to to work. I could do work. I had a computer that I could work on. I was with my wife. We were together. It wasn't like date night. But we weren't alone. We were with other friends. I was just thinking through, like, how would you take these situations which are inconvenient and for all intents and purposes we don't want how do you rejoice? Well, you have to choose that God allowed this to happen. And this sounds so cliche, like you don't want to hear that, but how do you rejoice always? What well, comes with it, there's nothing happening that, that God is still not in control. If he's in control at all times, he's in control right now. So you have to choose a certain attitude. So that attitude is very important in the midst of The things that we don't want to face. How you see it. And again, we can get into, well, somebody, somebody's messed up. Somebody needs to get in line. Some, you know, and ratchet or (laughs) I can't rejoice. I'm just freaking out. But you have to make a choice. How do you react? The second here that you see in the scriptures is to be reasonable. This is how you trust God. Now, being reasonable is not something that we, we use a lot. It's not a word that 
You, you may, if somebody's talking to you and it's getting crazy, you're like, hey, you need to be reasonable. But we don't tend to use that word. But I wanted to keep that because that word conveys this. You, you don't go off the deep end in your thoughts. Have you ever faced something that's overwhelming to you? And all of a sudden, you've created this world in which people are going to do things and you're going to do things and things are going to happen. And it's not even real. You know what I'm saying? Like your thoughts have ran away from you. And it's creating this picture in a scenario that's actually not happened yet. But you're thinking, well, the flight's delayed. I'm not going to get to sleep. The babysitter's going to want to go home. She's going to hate us. The day's going to be awful. We're never going to make it home. We're going to live in the airport the rest of our lives. It's like Tom Hanks in Terminal, right? You can get into that and you just get off the deep end. Being reasonable is in view of the fact that God is at hand. He's there. There's nothing that happens in which God doesn't know. And there's nothing that happens in which God is not right there in the mix wanting to help. That's how you're reasonable. There's a steadiness. You're not just running crazy with your thoughts. You put them on a leash like a dog. They're not able just to go anywhere they want. You keep them right here. You keep them with what is true. That's what it means to be reasonable. Uh, the second, or the third, sorry, is you, ask, you have to ask him for help and experience peace in the chaos. So the way that you're reasonable and the way that you rejoice is actually connected to this part of the scripture. And that's where you turn to God and ask him for help. The only way you can actually really rejoice and the only way that you cannot just go crazy with all your thoughts and emotions is you have to invite God and ask him for help in the moment. And it's moment by moment. You could do it 30 minutes ago and then life gets more crazy. If you don't turn and ask for help again, you can just run off to the extremes. And so this idea of you're not anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then you see it. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you fail to rejoice, you really fail to recognize God is there and that God is going to use it and that God is good. If you fail to be reasonable, you're really just off in your own reality where God is not there. And you're now in control. You're in the cockpit on the plane and you're just going to decide where to go. But it's only when you recognize the presence of God, you recognize he's in control, that anxiety can be lifted. And you can experience his peace. So it's all connected. We want the peace, but we have to rejoice. We want the peace, but we have to be reasonable. We have to be steady in our thinking. We have to put a leash on our thoughts and our emotions. It's all connected. Usually for me, when I experience things that are chaotic and I'm overwhelmed and I'm stressed, in relationships, with the tasks, with all the things that I have going on, I actually don't turn to God. There's just times where I'm so overwhelmed that I, I just, I don't know what to do. And I was thinking about that from my own life. And when I don't turn to God in the midst of the chaos, there's usually some things that are happening. This is me. This is what's inside of me. So when I don't ask God for help, usually it's, I forget he can help. I just forget. 
Like, I don't think he can help me. And so I don't ask him for help. Uh, another thing that happens is I don't think he can help. You ever face a situation and you just think, there's no way God can help me. I'm beyond help, or this person's beyond help, or this circumstance cannot be fixed. So you may remember, but you just think he can't help you. I experienced that. The third, I don't think I need the help. There's just times where I I got this. I can figure it out. So maybe I remember. Maybe he can help. But I just don't think I need it. And then the, the, the fourth is, I think someone else can help me more. These are all reasons we don't turn to God. We forget. We don't think he can help us. We think we can do it on our own. Or there's someone else in our life that we think can help us more than God. That's why this story about Jesus and the storm is so important. Because there's no one else that at the sound of their voice can calm nature. There's no one else. There's no one else that knows exactly what you're feeling and going through, knows your thoughts, knows your future, knows what you're facing right now, and knows your past. There's nobody, even your closest friend or family member. So there's a sense in which we have to get real with why we don't turn to God. Because if we don't recognize that, it's really hard for us to see and get out of our default mode. The way we try to survive, the way we try to perform. And I want to kind of close by talking a little bit more about perspective, because the passage goes on further and it talks about what happens as as we think the truth of our situation in light of God. And for me, that's sometimes the most helpful, because if I forget him, then I don't turn to him. And if I don't turn to him, I'm on my own resources. And if I'm on my own resources, I'm actually not that nice of a person. I'm not. But it's when we turn to God and we ask him for help that we can actually have his spirit that guides us and helps our attitude and helps our reactions. And so God's peace it actually brings lasting productivity regardless of our circumstances. And that's why God brings so much help. It's because we don't have to have a, the perfect situation for him to work. He can actually work in the midst of hard, strange, and unforeseen situations that we experience. And what you find is that it's actually a battle to remember this. But what verses 6 and 7 were saying is that God's peace and protection, they actually help us to choose what's best each day. When you have the peace of God, the scriptures say it guards your hearts and your minds. God's peace is like a shield. Because when we freak out and we think we have to power up and perform, or when we think we just have to give up because nothing will help, we need a shield. That deflects those thoughts. And the shield is God's peace. The fact that he knows you and will take care of you as you ask him for help. So it's protecting. Protects your thoughts. Protects your heart. And then it goes on at the end and it says, well, if that's true, if you have a shield, then you have to think the right thoughts. 
And this passage lists those. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and look what happens again. And the God of peace will be with you. Just as an interesting exercise, what if for the rest of the day, with each thought you had, you put it in which category it fell in? Is what you're thinking true? Is what you're thinking honorable? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? Is it actually worthy of thinking about? If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Do you know, like, how little things I probably would write down in my own life? My categories don't fit those. Now, I could fit it in, like, when did you freak out? Oh, got some there. When were you frustrated? Oh, I can write those down. When were you apathetic? Oh, there you go. But this, this is what God's saying. This is what you have to cling to. This is why you need God's help. These do not come naturally. So you kind of heard about my, my plane situation, and I've been tired the last two days. I have. And actually, I've been kind of a groggy, like not fun to be around person. The reason I say that is, is it's so easy to say this, but you have to wake up each day and you have to battle this. And so I've been harsh with my kids. Like I hadn't seen them. For a week. And you have this picture like it's going to be great and we're all just going to love each other. No, like they woke me up early on Friday and I had two hours of sleep. And they didn't do what I wanted them to do and I was agitated. And I snapped at them a few times. And I, I was exasperating them. The scriptures say, you know, fathers, do not exasperate your children. And I was riding them kind of hard. And with my wife, I was short with her and I was frustrated. What it was is I had a view of how, what I wanted to happen. And people were not cooperating with my plan for their life. So this morning I, I got done actually preparing for this message and I, I had to go to my kids and I had to ask forgiveness. I said, you know, will you guys forgive me? I, I've been harsh with you. And I, I've chosen not to act kindly. Will you forgive me for that? They all know it. And then with my wife, I had to ask forgiveness. I've been short. And I've been harsh. Will you forgive me? The reason I share that is this is something that is a battle. When life is filled with pressure, our default mode is just so easy to get into. But when you turn to God and you ask him for help, he will do it. So I'm trying to walk in the spirit today. I'm trying to ask God, God, help me as I interact with these people to love them. God, help me to see the needs of others, not just what I want. I need God's help to do it. I do not come by it naturally, and neither do you. And so I want to invite you to just think through your world and all the interactions that you have. And ask God to show you what are some ways that you can choose to invite God in and ask him for help. 
and thank him for some things that are even happening right now that you've never thought that he's actually involved in. So I want to wrap up with that. Um, there's some next steps on the connection card. I want to invite the band up as we sing a song uh, back to God. I want to invite you to, to, to battle this week with your thoughts and to remember that the Lord is at hand. He is here in what you face. And so two next steps. Ask God to help me in blank. If you are facing something that's overwhelming you and you feel that pull to control or to give up, write that area down and identify that. The second is thank God that he is in control of blank. Whatever is happening, you might just need to thank God that that's part of how you rejoice. He is in control. So I encourage you to to think through that and wrestle with that uh, this week. Let's pray together. And then we're going to receive our offering uh, from God. God, thank you for the example of Jesus and how he represents and shows us that you're in control and you have power beyond what we have. And you see things that we can't see and we can rest in you and your power and the fact that uh, you're not surprised by anything. God, help us to recognize the things in which we forget 